Welcome back to another evening of Scott Shower. This is episode 110. Uh, first off, I'd like to thank all of our subscribers and all of our fans who listen to us on YouTube, Rumble, and all of our podcast uh, platforms. Um, and I guess uh, from there, uh, this, <laughs> e- <laughs> this evening's lineup uh, is uh, Singleton uh, 15 year special release of 2022. Uh, we're going to have our shout outs and get it together. It's followed by Papa Doe's is a restaurant review. And then top three sea myths uh, or legends. Um, and then also, if you do uh, like our content, please like, share, and subscribe. Leave any comments down below uh, as we'd like to hear from you. Scotch review. As Noah mentioned, this is the Singleton 15-year 2022 special release from the Glen Ord Distillery, the last existing distillery on the Black Isle. Um, it is in the Highlands or off the Highlands, if you will. And it is, to start with, it's just a great looking canister. I am still not a fan of the shape of the Singleton bottles. However, this canister is absolutely something that catches the eye. Uh, the Singleton Glen Ord here is pretty steep with its ABV sitting at 54%. Their typical uh, ABVs range from the 40 to 46%, so this is an 8% higher than that. The other piece that's unique about this special release is that for the first half or roughly seven years of the 15, it is aged in ex-white oak bourbon casks, and then it is finished off for the remaining eight years in ex-wine barrels and casks to give it what is undoubtedly a very unique flavor profile. So pretty excited about that. Uh, the single tin distillery itself has a vast history. Uh, the one at Glen Ord, not always part of the Singleton family, um, has been for a ri- uh, around for a while and really started out in 1838. When you're on the Black Isle, that's a pretty interesting name in itself. Uh, I would anticipate it to be more prestigious and more well-known than it probably is. Um, some of the basic history about the Glen Ord Distillery. In the 13th century, the Mackenzies of Ord were granted land by King Alexander III. Man, that guy was just giving all sorts of future Scots people like, <laughs> hey, you saved my life. You get to use the 12 point stag on your bottles hashtag dong or and hey i'm just going to give you some land let's see what you do with it uh so the 13th century um and they started using that land in 1820 thomas mckenzie of ord inherited the state estate and used a large portion of the land uh for barley production which um, in that day and since, the quickest way to turn a profit with a barley yield is to make alcohol, um, and that way you can pay your rent. <laughs> so uh, you did say at the Glen Ord, that's one that uh, supplies the United States? 
Um, this one supplies mostly, um, it's, it's a very sm uh, small release. It's about 12, I mean, they say small, but it's like 12 million liters per year, uh, which doesn't sound small, but it's not a ton. Um, but uh, they have three major variations. There's a 12-year, a 15-year, and then their 18-year, which they only export to a small piece of Asia. Okay. And then the one that I, the, the information I pulled down, that's the one for like Europe, right? Yes. With their distilleries, they do focus on different production going to different pieces of the world. And one of the things that's interesting, I don't know, I, I, this is part of what I don't love about the Singleton branding, I guess. It's not the brand itself. It's the branding is they are largely, and they want to be known as the Scotch for mixers. They are not necessarily as focused on, hey, this is a single malt scotch, enjoy it as is. They are very much uh, known for being a great scotch for mixing in mixed drinks. Okay, so... Basically, you said it's just a 12 and a 15. That's basically the only reason why we only see the 12 and 15 here and maybe not some of the other like uh, releases that they could or might have in other areas. Higher in, go straight to Asia. <laughs> and you would think like the 18 would like get some play here in the U.S. It is so weird how different distilleries um, and scotch houses distribute their alcohol like the James Bond series only available in a finite amount of travel liquor stores like what how is that a yeah, thing yeah it is strange um <laughs> that's something that i guess maybe we didn't might need to do some research into yeah as to why they do something like take that. some trips to asia just to get a one type of scotch <laughs> <laughs> so all my handiwork of research all for naught oh that's not true is ready for the next time if we ever get a European one or something. <laughs> I'm sure we will. The Singleton does continue to produce scotches. We have done one Singleton 15 year previously. That was the one from Dufftown in the Highlands. Um, but now we are going to the Black Isle. Well, I think the one thing I can say throughout all of my research uh, for the wrong uh, distillery uh, for Singleton is they do have tours. Yeah. So it doesn't matter yes. which one you go to here. <laughs> if you do go to the one that I pulled down here, uh, they do have three tours, which is the Singleton, uh, Singleton distillery tour. Uh, and that's, uh, where they do a, a full distillery tour that focuses on the art of whiskey making and the Singleton signature slow craft process. And that includes three unique Singleton, uh, expressions paired with one, uh, macaron, and uh, at the end of your turn, uh, tour, turn, tour, tour, whatever. <laughs> uh, then they have the pairing exper uh, experience, which is an immersive whiskey and food pairing experience that uh, heroes the deliciousness of Singleton. I I'd probably be interested in the food pairing one. I, I think that one would be kind of fun. And then I think this last one would be even more fun, which is the malt to cask experience. And this is for the whiskey aficionados that want to see the maltings and go deeper into the production story, followed by a cast draw and ending with a tasting in the private tasting room. So I think ultimately, I think that probably be the most fun. Um, but the only other one I find kind of intriguing is the food pairing one. But uh, I think uh, when we make it out there, and notice I didn't say if I said when. Um, I think I would, I would if I could only choose one, I'd do the malt to cask. Yeah, it's going to be a long couple of weeks out there with all these tours and tastings. 
I'm not sure if I'll remember anything. Or if my liver will like me. (laughs) My liver might like me by the end. Probably not a love relationship there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, with the singleton, um, again, as I said previously, this canister is amazing itself. It is a well-done canister. It catches the eye. I particularly do love the dark-haired mermaid, which led us to this smarter challenge about sea myths or legends. Um, I do like the mermaid and the colors they've chosen to catch the eye off of this canister, especially while staying true to the singleton blue. They have this color or one very similar to it on every canister I've ever seen. Opening this bad boy up, again, the traditional singleton bottle shape, which I am just not the biggest fan of, the blue glass. It works well for this expression, but not normally not always my favorite, but again, the label is a win. And we're just going to dive right into this. Good foil. Well done foil with their singleton logo on the top. Plastic top? Question mark. This is wood. It is wood. So they are using an actual wood top, which we do prefer. She's happy. (laughs) Or maybe not. And pressed cork. I am curious what this 54% ABV is going to taste like. Might be a little hot to trot. All right, time for Warp Speed and our tasting notes. All right, cheers. All right, Singleton twenty, uh, Singleton Special Release 2022, 15-year. Um, I'm actually impressed. I wasn't impressed with the normal 15, but... Uh, um, I am kind of impressed with this one uh, as far as, fla- as flavor goes. We'll start off with the packaging. Um, the packaging, I really do like how they have the coloring going on on the package itself. And uh, I love like the purples and all and the reds and, and kind of like the uh, aqua type of feel to it. Um, it, 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 I don't know. It, it seems like uh, it kind of reminds me of the ocean and, and a little bit of uh, femininity, 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 femininity. Okay, all right to it. Um, probably because of the mermaid, but in any case, uh, I do like it. Um, I I still have a, a dislike for the singleton bottle, and I don't like that blue or the aqua colored glass. But it does go well with this rendition of it, as far as with the labeling and all that stuff. Um, because of the coloring and the packaging and, uh, and it being a special release, I think they did a much better job than they did on their typical. I am giving it four out of five points. I agree with that. And, uh, like they actually, it's not just like a cheap paint on there. Like it's thick. (laughs) So the way they, yeah, the way they did the lamp buttering there on the, on the singleton there on the top part of the, of the bottle is definitely uh, nicely done as well. Um, now the color. 
I dig it. <laughs> it's a good color. It's a nice color. And here I put uh, dark orange copper. And I really dig it. I like the coloring, so I gave it five out of five. Damn. What's up? <laughs> so I really dig I really did dig the coloring on this. Um and I think to your point when we're talking while we were off the air or during our warp speed session, um I think maybe some of that coloring did come from some of the wine casks um that they might have used. All right, so now this brings us to the aroma. Here the aroma is very complex with a lot of nice subtleties and um it's definitely for more of the, the connoisseur uh, for scotch drinkers rather than maybe a beginner drink, uh, a beginner scotch drinker, because I think they might lose out on some of these uh, these nuances. Maybe not. Um, but from from what I'm picking up on the aroma is the first thing that hit me was car- oh, was caramel. But that could be just because we just opened it up. And so I got the, the caramel uh, along with some vanilla. Those were the first two hints uh, or aromas that i got followed up by brown sugar but then after it kind of mild out some i was able to pick up some hints of uh saline apple and black currant and i think the black currants right there that's that's coming in from the wine uh cask that they use and i think uh, it makes it for a nice pleasant and complex uh while yet still subtle of aroma now when it comes to the palate when it first hit my palate, it exploded with sweetness. And not only did it explode with sweetness, it <laughs> did go through like like uh, the mid part of my mouth. It kind of went shot, shot to, to the outer edges of my mouth. And then um, with that uh, sweetness, um, I definitely got some hazelnut, roasted almond, and vanilla, which created a nice uh, beginning uh, part of the palate which then kind of led to the uh, finish going from the front to the mid there and right there beginning from the mid to the back of my palate. Um, this is where I started to get some of those spicy tones and with the finish, um, really what I got was, uh, uh it was a long lingering finish with spicy tones, coffee and black currant. And I really dug it. I thought it was a great finish. Um, and I just, and even after like uh, that spiciness dissipates, there's still a nice flavor there that just lingers, and um, I, I enjoy it. Um, so for the uh, aroma, I gave a, I gave it 27 out of 30. The palate I gave 27 out of 30, <laughs> and the finish I gave it 27 out of 30. And if my mathematics are correct, we <laughs> know since I screwed up the first time, I like the biggest thing I worried about was like screwing up my math. I already did it, so now I don't have to worry about it anymore. Like I can't screw up my math. I can't screw up my math, and I screwed up my math right? like a couple episodes ago. But uh, so from for what I have here, as long as my math is correct, I have a ninety. Your math is correct. <laughs> wow, I am right there with Noah on this scotch, and I don't know how better to 
give a, a, a metaphoric example of this scotch other than going into, you know, their their label and the canister and the mermaid, right? Um, and their mermaids have taken different variations. So you got Disney's version, which is the mermaid just wants to be human and live with a human man and, oh, is all nice and friendly and kind. And then you have the slightly older version, which is they were sirens calling sailors to their death. Um, and man, it doesn't matter which one you want to go with, with this, this scotch packs a punch of something that is intriguing. Um, and it is impactful presentation. I agree. It is a solid for, um, taking out my own personal distaste for a bottle that looks like a giant flask or something you've seen in an old movie where the drunk's just pulling it out at the bus stop. <laughs> you know? um, it, it doesn't look sexy to me. And now that being said, it probably has places we haven't thought in history that maybe they can share with us someday. Because if you're putting it on a shelf, you might more easily use as a book stop. Like you might have some real potential here. Um, and then it's definitely because of the width of the girth in a different way, if you will. It may not be round, but it's wide. Uh, she's going to feel it uh, and you're going to see it on the shelf. So there are some pieces there. Um, presentation soft. Solid for uh, really actually quite impressed. I, as we were talking, man, I was like, man, I wish I had that color shirt. That's what I want. Like I got this light blue to go with our uh, sea myth and legend. Uh, and I really wish I was wearing this right now. That is an amazing color. Well done with that singleton in your presentation color. Um, so with me, uh, the color is amazing and the only thing I don't know is I don't see anywhere and I want more and more scotch houses or distilleries to put it out there all natural color. Um, this color is fantastic. It is uh, intriguing. Again, uh, as mentioned, they must have gotten some of this deep red, this medium brass copper color from wine casks. Um, and I imagine if they're not, it's, it'd be surprised, but those are darker wine casks unless it is not all natural color. So I do wish that with color, they received a four from me on the nose. As Noah mentioned, this bad boy is coming complex. This is not your uh, Dollar General cologne here. This is not something cheap. This is something to be enjoyed and sensed through layers. I get apple and there is something so sweet about this scotch, but it's not offensively sweet. That's what's surprising is the moment you think, oh, that's too sweet. It takes a turn. And on the nose, it goes from that apple, um, kind of like the apple pie. Where we get a little bit of those baked spices, a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of nutmeg, nothing too potent. Um, and then the cherry for me, there is a cherry, a hint of cherry on the nose. And that's on the nose. The palate's a little bit different. And then though, the nose finishes for me with um, hints of brown sugar and brine. Now where this beautiful transition then takes place on the palate is, is truly magical to me. Um, I was not expecting any of this complexity. 
again it is sweet there is hints of raspberry cherry again these red berries in there but also a little hint of a, a saturn peach if you will a peach that's not too sweet but definitely has a peach flavor um, that just helps carry and balance the sweetness from those other berries um, then that from the nose there was the brown sugar and on the palate i get and you, i can almost feel it on my tongue it's that granularly burnt brown sugar where it's a little you can almost feel a texture or i can i should say i can feel a texture on my tongue from what was brown sugar now transitioned to burnt sugar um and hazelnut and I'm not a huge fan of like hazelnut spreads for your sandwiches, anything like that. But this, this is a nice touch. The finish is a long finish for me, um, subtly sweet. So as Noah mentioned right at the beginning of the palette, it is very sweet, um, but it's never offensive. And I think the transition from nose to palate, um, from brown sugar to burnt sugar helps make that transition. Um, and then on the finish, it's the same way. There is this subtle sweetness. It's like an earthy sweetness and it's vanilla finishing all along the way um so for me the nose got a 27 uh the palette was the big one here this palette was is super impressive to me it really is i can only imagine how great this would be with a wonderful slice of well-baked fruit pie with not too much crust just enough uh the finish um also a 27 so my grand total ironically or maybe not also a 90 so we did not talk about our scores but more often than not they come out a little bit different variations on what we place as value but the scores are staying true yeah i mean wow all right i guess <laughs> on to uh if you haven't got if you i mean if you get a chance and you find this in the in the stores near you I definitely would say pick it up. I believe it's like right around the like 120, 130 range. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's worth it. It's worth every penny of it, especially if you are a scotch drinker. So if you can still find it, uh, definitely pick it up. I would say probably, I I don't know if you, you can find it in the, maybe in the Denver metro area anymore that where we live, but I would, I'd venture to guess you could probably still find it like on the coast, uh, East coast, West coast and Vegas probably. Um, but yeah, if you can find it, buy it and drink it or find it, buy it, hold on to it <laughs> and then drink it for a special occasion. Yeah. And that's a good, uh, you know, you bring up a good point there. Am, am I taking this to a poker night? Probably not. No, it not is. It is actually, and I don't know that I've ever said this about anything, but maybe the King Alexander the third before. This is almost too great, too complex for a poker night. You have to want to enjoy this and you should savor it. You should you should have the full experience. Yeah, to me, this really only falls on, on the uh, line of two. I would take it to a black tie event uh, because I think it's special enough to like stand out at a black tie event. I mean, usually if you go to a black tie event and uh, either you're going to do one of two things. You're going to be a traditionalist and blend in or you're not and you're going to want to stand out and this will help you stand out uh at a black tie affair yeah whether you're wearing a bow tie or a regular tie wear a damn tie and have it match the canister 
And then um, this is one that I would say is one to hoard and only share with, with uh, friends that you know would appreciate it. It's time for our shout outs. Uh, my shout out this past week goes to Aiden and and my kiddos. I know they get a lot of them. Um, and Mila, both for different reasons. Uh, Mila for staying true to her school and continuing to forge forward and do it for her for all the right reasons and very cost effective ones for Aiden. 16 years old the same week he within a week of getting his driver's license he also got his first job and i really am enjoying and learning a lot about um almost regaining faith in humanity after working with so many youngsters that don't want to work hard and then hearing his stories uh, about he's much like Mila when they're talking they're like where the hell are all these other people that are supposedly working like they're on the clock what are they doing and it is this piece where okay so it's it's not everyone there are still those hard workers out there um and not that they're not gonna continue to learn and grow and work smarter and not harder but they still will put forth an effort and not just uh waste time or money and it's i i couldn't be more proud of those two so me laden super proud of you guys hey congratulations to the both of you that's awesome um my i only have uh one shout out and one nothing to do with any shout outs but i'm gonna mention it anyways uh shout out to you uh for tonight at dinner uh you picked up a uh the cocktail and the appetizers i just want to thank you and give yeah. a shout out for that that was Absolutely. awesome sure. i mean whoever knew a gator gator meat would be so good it was pretty dang good i was yeah. surprised had uh, to go with it exactly <laughs> uh and then my other thing here is uh it's like i said it doesn't really fall under any category we have but um for the next 30 days starting that starting tomorrow because i've only have, I have like one one uh glass left of it but um so basically starting on wednesday i'm gonna go 30 days without drinking coffee Ooh. and here here's the reason why like uh growing up i didn't really drink coffee in college i didn't drink coffee and i really didn't start drinking coffee until i started working an office job and then all of a sudden i started drinking coffee every day so um i uh, i know like before office work i, I never drank coffee and i kind of want to get back to that and uh and there's also something about like something about uh, i think it's like cortisone or something like that or that or it spikes something in your in your in your body and i think that's supposed to uh, like also add to you being overweight so i'm gonna give this a shot of saying like like i'm not like there's nothing that says like stop drinking coffee it's gonna make you lose weight or anything but um but i there was a point in time where i didn't drink coffee and i just want to see if i can get back to it um so that so that's just a, a just a toss out there um doesn't really fit in any category I don't, I don't i disagree i think that is uh from me from my perspective that's a cheers to you because so often um especially at work people are always like you're gonna come get a coffee and i'm like no and part of me thinks that and i do it with diet cokes and other things where i still get my caffeine intake and i'd probably take too much caffeine but when you get into that 
habit of your body requiring that pick-me-up, it does change your ultimately different hormones and things your body is putting out. And man, I work with this guy. I, can't, I won't mention his name right now because I don't know if he would want to mention, but he was talking to me about coffee and caffeine the other day. And I was just trying to, like, it was time for me to go. So I wasn't paying 100%, but now I want to go back because I was listening to him with every intent and ability I could, um, but I wasn't giving him 100% attention because, again, it was like, I got to go. Like, I, it's not that I don't value your story, but he was mentioning a lot of things that I want to look more into, and pieces of that include if you drink coffee, it actually takes a lot longer for the caffeine to impact you than you would think. And it's not the effect of the caffeine that's boosting you. It's actually the smell of the coffee um, and different pieces. So be careful. And after, after the fact, I was literally driving on my way home and I was thinking, man, I don't drink a whole lot of coffee. And everything he said probably applies to that, um, even to the point where I was talking at work today. And I'm like, I can't drink caffeine like I used to. Um, it makes me anxious. Um, yeah, it may give people energy. I'm not one of them. It gives me negative energy to the point where all of a sudden, as opposed to being able to stay focused mentally and get stuff done, I get so anxious and I feel so off balance that I get less done. Well, it kind of that would tend to make sense because like when you look at like studies like uh, and they show like uh, spiders like on different types of uh, um, drugs, the the spider that's like on a caffeine drug, like it's webbing, but it's like it's fucking retarded. <laughs> That's how I feel if I drink too much so, caffeine and I try to work. <laughs> so that's probably very true. So uh, probably like if I'm cranky like, like later part of the week, it's probably just me coming off of that caffeine fix and stuff like that. Um, and usually I don't really drink like sodas, so I'm not going to get my caffeine fix there. If anywhere, I might get it from some iced tea. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought I'd give that a shot. I try to get back to the way I was when I was younger Good and stuff you. and try to give that a shot. Um, on to my get it togethers. Uh, I got kind of two get it togethers. <laughs> the first one real quick is going to be the Bud Light fiasco. Um, and then putting the, uh, the transgender person on there. And, and here, all I'm really going to say is I'm not saying like that was right or wrong, but the uh, transgender population is 1.6, approximately 1.6 million people in the United States. That's less than half of 1%. It's 0.48%. So that's less than half of 1%. Um, and I think if, you, if you're any kind of big corporation or any kind of company, um, I get wanting to be inclusive, but you don't want to be so inclusive that you drive 99.5% uh, of the people away or a mass majority of people away. And it just seems like there's been a whole lot of backlash. So whether it's Bud Light or whether it's the people or whatever, uh, I think that's a, that's a whole fiasco that uh, everyone should kind of get together on that one. I try not to beat a dead horse, but I guess he's not a horse and he's not dead. And it really just comes back to Biden making smart choices. And where is he now? And um I look at how much money are we going to spend trying Trump? Have you heard 
parties from both sides, Democrats and Republicans, are talking about how already all of this should have never gotten this far, how the judge that was selected to try this is already proven to ha be privy to knowledge he should have never had, um, but he is the one who accepted this and allowed it. And there's all these different pieces and where he uh, gave uh, donations to Biden. I, I'm just saying, like, it never ends. And what is the point? Like, stop wasting the tax dollars. Regardless of what it does, it doesn't change it in the right way. And it's, it's, uh, the get together is just, man, at least have a plan where you're not going to have so many loopholes that it's going to get thrown out. I think at this point, they're just trying to do whatever possible to try to knock Trump out. That's absolutely. And then throwing everything up against the wall to see what sticks. That is absolutely the case. But the problem is, is they are putting, they are literally blowing holes in their own plan with a 10 gauge shotgun. Yeah, they're blowing <laughs> holes in their own plan and they don't care about taxpayer dollars because at this point they know our economy is shot. Like we're, we're losing the currency war right now. Oh, we are. And I would use that as the get together, but I still think we have a chance. So if you guys haven't looked into that, find out why the rest of the world is buying and selling oil in rubles. This week's restaurant review is Papa, and you know, I don't know if it's actually pronounced Papa Doe, because that's how I look at it, and I try to pronounce it, or Papa Dukes. It might be Papa Dukes. I think it is Papa Dukes. So Papa Dukes, and it's right there, uh, basically Bellevue and I-25 in Centennial, Colorado, or Inglewood, depending on <laughs> which side of the fence you want to talk about. Um, and for me, it was a fun trip. Now, I will tell you. Um, I will share, and I've I've worked really hard not to include this in my restaurant review portion, because one thing Noah and I talked about with the last episode, and that we are committed to continuing to evolve and make these shows better for you, um, make these reviews better for you, is another piece, is that part of the selection for this restaurant was based on the fact that on social media um, and other advertising platforms open table i will use as the particular one here they said outdoor seating so papa dukes was chosen because today's weather here in colorado uh, oh my god i just wanted to see it outside <laughs> Get some of that vitamin D. That's right. And showing up at the restaurant and finding out that these platforms and open table is not a small platform. Like just an epic fail. Again, this is the third time and I've used them in the last three times, which I don't use them very much because of this anymore, where they have failed me. And other times were because of items on the restaurant menu. They failed me. And then the time before that, it was restaurant hours. Like get it together, open table. I, I don't. I don't know how they're still in business. It's uh, or maybe they will not be for much longer. But Papa Dukes and it's there, and uh, you know it's kind of this Creole, this Cajun, uh, French-inspired seafood, Louisiana type of type of feel. And it was, I mean, taking out the outdoor seating not being open. Everything else for me was great, man. Do you remember what the hell my dish was called? 
Nope. Nope. Either do I. It's not on the goddamn menu. It's like tell tell your ride. It's like white wine. I know because because of the T E L L. Anyhow, when we started our venture here at Papa Dukes, um, we started with the alligator appetizer, alligator fried and alligator blackened. And I will say it was a pleasant treat. It was fun. And then they had their dirty rice, which was delicious with both even better with the sauce. So um, the alligator appetizer for me, man, I will say right here, right now 10 out of 10 like i i will go there um and then we had a couple of uh, old fashions and again for me this drink was a 10 out of 10 presentation um was fantastic my dinner whatever the t-e-l-l white wineish butter sauce with shrimp scallops um, linguine, it has some scallions on there, some spinach and a few tomatoes. I literally can't find it on their menu, but it also for me was a 10 out of 10. I didn't think I was halfway through. I'm like, there's no way I'm finishing this. And then before I know, I'm like, how did I, my bowl is empty. And that's the bowl. Like my bowl is empty. Um, it was fantastic as well. It was definitely filling. Um, the service for me was really good up until the end when she gave Noah and the table next to us the wrong checks. And I'm like thinking, why did this other guy say anything? <laughs> He's saying for four. But uh, um, the service, you, you take out the one little blunder, the service was still like an eight and a half. It was still pretty high. I did dig the atmosphere. I think it would have been, uh, the atmosphere would have been a 10 if we could have sat outside. That's how I logistically and truthfully can play that in there. However, the inside was uh, well done. It was still this, there is a different class of people. And that doesn't mean you make a ton of money. It means you appreciate good food, hospitality, and environment, which is inviting. Uh, and uh, pleasantries with great drinks. So uh, service, still an eight and a half. Um, the biggest pieces we start to look at this is, is this a destination? And that was the, the first piece of this restaurant review transition we're making. And what does it mean to be a destination? There's a couple different pieces here. And I'm going to try not to spend all night talking about this, but there are a couple different pieces here. A destination could be um, that it is so fantastic, even if there's three other restaurants in the same parking lot with the same thing, and they're three times as expensive you're going to pay three times as much because something they have and that can be part of a destination a destination can be also hey by the way this is a landmark for x y or z reasons this place has been here for a hundred years it's been here for 200 years 10 presidents out of the last 28 at this restaurant you know things like the buckhorn exchange would be an example of presidential visitations things like that um so that can be another destination but at the end of the day a destination really for me is if i have family coming to town and i want to take them someplace they can't see anywhere else or if i want to go out of my way to go to this restaurant or if they have something so fantastic, again, I'm going to pass five other restaurants. They may be three times as expensive, uh, but I'll still go there. This to me, this Papa Dukes was a destination. Are we doing any of the other types of stuff like 
first date worthy, all that friends stuff. Are we dropping that? Man, I would definitely take a first date here. I would absolutely meet a friend here. Um, and particularly during lunch, by the way, for both their lunch menu actually looked more appealing than the dinner menu in a lot of ways, because, uh, obviously slightly or very much so smaller portions, but you get multiple. So you get, you get some of their gumbo and a salad or gumbo and another piece of dish. And I actually would have enjoyed going for a lunch menu setup because there's no way I could eat those two with dinner size portions. But if I had the lunch size portion where I'm paying just, I'm paying just as much from getting a variation of them. I would have uh, really enjoyed that. So would I go there, take a date there? Yes. Uh, would I go and meet a friend there? Yeah, especially if the damn outside is open 100%. It was fun. I want to go back um, in the summer in an evening, uh, maybe a month and a half from now when it's still 70 degrees as the sun's setting and and have an experience. No, I think we would love it outside. And so your total rating was 8.5? Is that? Uh, my total rating, I'm going to round up, is a 9. Okay. Uh, my total rating is a 9, but the service was an 8.5. Everything else was a 9 or a 10. Like. Dude, there was a lot of home runs here. <laughs> All right, for me, Papa Dukes. Uh, driving there, I thought the uh, parking lot was a little bit confusing. I turned into the wrong area. Had to drive around the building to find where the to find where <laughs> I thought was the front door area. And then when you get there, the uh, landscaping that they had. If you ever been to the South, it kind of reminds me of, like some kind of landscaping that you might have seen, like uh, in one of those like um, plantation areas that that are that's really done really nice with the fountains and and bushes and stuff like that. So uh, as you're walking up, it does kind of set the the mood of the place. I really like that. The first thing I noticed when I walked in the door was a sign that says. Uh, no guns allowed here. I don't know why you need to have that up, but okay. Fisher already uh, did. <laughs> but um, sure. Uh, but then when you walk in, I actually dug the place. I thought it looked really cool on the inside. I would have preferred to be able to sit on the outside on the patio. And I think if the patio was open, I think everyone probably would have been sitting out there because that was a it was a pretty nice patio here at this location. Um. The food, uh, we as you mentioned, we started off with the uh, was it Gator Bites, fried alligator. They call fried. it fried alligator, but we got fried half and blackened half. So Jesse had ordered that before I arrived there. Uh, that stuff is the bomb. It is definitely a ten out of ten. <laughs> uh, the bread that they give you, I, I really enjoyed it. So it's, it's kind of similar to what you would get when you go to Paris or into like uh, Germany, where you have like the hard crust on the outside with a nice fluffy uh middle um so it was a really nice tasting bread then the meal that i got was the mardi gras party pasta and this had uh uh i don't know creole or cajun sausage with uh shrimp and i don't know what else they had in there but it was like a red sauce base it was phenomenal i loved it i i like I didn't. I probably had like maybe three, four bites left in my in my bowl, but it was. I wish I could have eaten it all because it was great. Um, and it was really surprising because like the waitress, she like when I asked her about it, she's like, "Oh, that's a really spicy dish," but it wasn't spicy. In fact, the blackened like uh, the blackened uh, gator was actually more spicy than my dish was. So, um, 
and I, and Jesse can attest, I am not a fan of spicy food. So if I say it's not spicy, then you know it's not spicy. Yeah, and he, thank you, by the way, for sharing a piece of the spicy sausage. And it was amazing. Like, it was all flavor. It was not spicy. It was not hot. And every recipe I've looked at before <laughs> and after we left the restaurant, I can't, I can find dishes. Like, yours is over here a hundred different times. I can find nothing that talks about Was it on your receipt at all? Oh, my receipt's upstairs. I should have checked that. Probably. <laughs> Any case, uh, my experience with the waitress is a little bit different than Jesse's. Uh, I took my knife away. <laughs> She's like, no guns for you and no knives for you. So she took my knife away. She uh, asked me what I wanted to drink before I really had a chance to kind of look at what I wanted to drink. Uh, she gave my bill to a different table. I'm like, where's my where's my credit card? Where's my credit card? And then next time I'm like, my dinner just get to $200. And then next time I'm like, wait, how is my dinner $200? dollars <laughs> so for me i'm gonna give the waitress like a six uh I, a lot of potential though but i mean i think she had like for me a little bit way too many fails uh and i really didn't like how she kind of like asked us if we want dessert she just like dropped the dessert menu on the table and walked away yeah uh, so yeah so i give the that a six but the the gator, whatever bites, I can call them gator bites, but those were 10 out of 10. My dish has a 10 out of 10. Yes. Uh, the atmosphere of the place, that's like a, a 9 out of 10. Is it a destination spot? Yes, because here in Colorado, we're out in the West, like Mountain <laughs> West. So, you know, Creole food, you know, like stuff that you get from the South or, you know, like Louisiana, that's not a normal thing that you get, you're going to find out here. So just that alone, in, in essence, kind of makes it a destination spot for me. On top of that, I do believe Papa Dukes or Papa Do's is a chain. So therefore, uh, in a way that would neglect it being a, a destination spot, but because it's not something you normally come across in Colorado. I think it kind of bumps it up to there. Plus, the gator bites are totally freaking worth it. <laughs> and uh, that makes it a destination spot. Uh, and for me, a destination spot is not some place that you, you visit all the time. It's a, it's a spot that, yeah, you may choose over other places or it may have that special thing like Jesse was talking about or it has some historical. So a lot of, a lot of the same factors that Jesse mentioned, which is stuff that him and I bounced back and forth upon about what considers a destination spot. This would be one of those places, in my opinion, at least in Colorado. Now, if there's like, we lived in a city that had like five of them, I would say no, it's not a destination spot. Um, so uh, would I take a first date there? Yes. Would I meet a friend there? Hell yes. And if it's during the summertime, I'm definitely like if we could sit there and chill in the patio and have a couple like beers and and drink and have some like gator bites and some other stuff. Hell like, yeah, hell yeah! <laughs> I, like I'm all for it. And um, I don't think I gave a total uh, a total number, but it would be the same as yours, nine. Yeah, I agree with you. The the waitress and I did have a slightly different experience before Noah got there. I got there, Matt. Traffic. I got there 20 minutes earlier than I was expecting to. So I had a little bit of time. Um, and she was a different person before you got there. And one of the comments she made, it is the day after Easter. And I imagine businesses and restaurants is typically so lots of people eating leftovers or just not wanting to eat at all. And with that, 
Um, she made the comment about how slow it was. And the only thing that scares me is how great she was when she only had two tables. By the time we actually got started and she had four tables, she had those blunders. It still was slow. What happens when it gets busy? I don't know. Maybe she's one of those people where when it's like super slow, she's good. But if it's just like quasi slow, she's bad. And when it's busy, she might be on point again. Yeah, her name was Paula. Paula, I did appreciate you. Uh, you. You delivered a little bit more service to me for Noah. And I can attest to that because right before that, when I was just asking her, hey, like this says crispy alligator. And uh, I'm like, does it actually have alligator or is it just fries? Because in the description, it's just listing off French fries. And I'm like, how are French fries 20 bucks? She's like, no, it's alligator. It's two different types, deep fried or blackened, or you can do half and half. And she's like, here, let me do this. Let me bring you a sample of the sauce. Hell yeah. The sauce was the first sell. <laughs> But that's the kind of service that had she continued that throughout the whole dinner, this would have been a 10 for me. Yeah. Smarter All right. This week's Smarter Challenge, our favorite three or top three, uh, if you will, nautical myths or legends. So sea creatures, sea monsters, uh, what is real, what is fake. They can be mysteries, legends. Uh, so what is it that are those top three for you and kind of just the interesting reasons as to why. So with that, just talking about a brief history and why they are so impactful to us. Uh, you want to start off with your first or should I? Uh, I only did two. Uh, I guess we could kind of do, I could kind of do three. If I were to do three, the, or, the number three would be the Kraken or the giant squid. Start there. <laughs> so I, I didn't really pull any information down on that because, uh, but basically you, you hear about like the Kraken and you see like in like the movies, like uh, I believe it's the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and also uh, I want to say it was in the, um, that uh, old Greek mythology movie. Yes, it is. Release the Kraken. Yes. But their Kraken was different than the giant squid, the giant squid that most people relate to being Krakens. And then you got, you know, like the Kraken, uh, black rum and stuff like that that has a giant squid on there. Um, I'm not exactly sure where it originated from because uh, I didn't really, like I said, I didn't really spend a whole time researching the Kraken as much. But it does seem like there's multiple cultures that had uh had a version of the kraken and also in reality in real life uh, if you don't look at mythology <laughs> right if you don't look at mythology there are giant squids out there that people are aware uh that you know sailors are aware of and stuff like that and we've only really explored maybe like somewhere between five to ten percent of the ocean so if there is a super giant squid that would be considered the kraken it's it's still a high probability not saying there is one, but there could be one, and it could be something that we have not discovered yet because it's saying it's maybe hanging way low in the depths of the ocean, which we haven't been able to explore yet. So that would be your number three, um, and it is ultimately my number three as well. Um, and mine's like I'm right there with you. So with that, it's a legendary sea monster of enormous size, said to take down. 
boats and most notably known for by the masses to have started off the coast of Norway. Um, and there is all sorts of Kraken art um, dating all the way back to the 1700s. So the Kraken versus ship, a, a very famous um, drawing from 1839, the colossal octopus engraving from 1801, Francisco Negri's um, travel log in 1700 stated it, um, Dano, a Norwegian missionary, uh, had seen it in 1734 but the first description that's usually noted and imagine this it's by someone who is religious and is credited to the norwegian bishop ponto Piden in 1753 and yes most more common than not it is known in in lots of movies my favorite would be in pirates of the caribbean as well is this giant octopus or squid that takes down ships it's so sizable it can do that um, but it is one of those things that was in both um greek mythology and syrian mythology um and so with the syrian mythology it's all the way back to uh you know, we're talking 1200 years ago, and it's a little bit different back then, but it does adapt and change from Syrian mythology 1200 years ago to Greek mythology, um, and then through the ages. And at the end of the day, to your point, here's the bottom line. We can't say it doesn't exist until we know it. And because of that, until we search and can see everything on all of the sea, we'll never know. And then there's one further piece, just one other thing to consider. And I'm not saying that any of these people actually saw it, but it's totally in the question when you consider the size of any dinosaur or sea creature or mega shark, that's another option, right? Um, that we do have proof of with fossils or other things it is totally feasible. It is not out of the question, especially when we're talking about prehistoric times. So um, that is uh, one I think is great, most largely because it's also this piece of, um, it's a tool used to keep people to not want to go to sea. Like, why the hell would I want to go to see the Kraken and break out my shit? I'm staying home. <laughs> yeah, so and I think the Kraken here in the, in the when I said the uh, Greek mythology movie, I just don't remember the name Crash of the Titans. Yes. I think it was like the eight, it was the 80s or 70s when that came out. I don't remember. Um, it's in that one, but it's in the remake too from just 15 years ago. Okay, so I think that I, I think uh, I'm, I'm talking about the old one. Uh, and I think their version of a Kraken is actually more of like a merman. That's what it is in the new Clash of the Titans too. Yes, you're 100% uh, right. But so, giant still. Yeah, but giant. It's like a giant merman, not <laughs> a, a true Kraken. Uh, and that kind of takes me to my number two. Yes. Which is uh, mermaids and mermen. Um, now, here it does say that the mermaids were founded, founded way back as far as 1000 B.C., in Syria, what's known in Syria today, and uh, the, the, what we mostly know as mermaids is comes from uh, the Little Mermaid, based on Hans Christian Andersen's tale, and that's what Disney is based upon and stuff like that. And the one thing I gotta like, I kind of came across here is that multiple cultures have have uh, 
belief, beliefs in mermaid. You have the Chinese whose for, folklore describes mermaids as capable and beautiful and able to turn their tears into pearls. And they were seen as something that is gentile and mild. Uh, then we got Japan. Their version is like they're dark and they believe mermaids are grotesque creatures that bring warfare to land and if uh, uh, warfare to land if their body is found washed up on shore. Uh, Koreans, theirs is somewhat similar to the Chinese. Then you got the British who saw them as like a bad omen. Uh, and then Brazil has like a, their concept uh, as lady of the water. Uh, you got ancient Greece, which uh, which is stuff that we're, we mostly more closely relate to. And some people uh, believe that mermaids are similar to sirens or sirens are the same as mermaids. But then there's other people who believe that they're two separate things altogether. And then Africans also have their version of mermaids. So here's why. Here's And then this kind of goes back to uh, scientific base. Are they real? They could be. They could not be. The, there are many people who have claimed that they've seen mermaids. Like even Christopher Columbus claims that they saw a mermaid. Uh, from what I from what I understand, some of these like uh, some of the research I was doing, uh, people have thought I forget the name of the stupid mammal, but there's like a sea mammal that some people think that looks like it looks nothing like a human. Platypus. No, it wasn't a platypus, but it's something something close to that. Walrus. Uh, no, I forget the name of it. Any case, it doesn't really matter what the name is, but it's just like a it's a sea creature, and it doesn't really look like uh, like a human or whatever. Maybe from afar, I guess, but it would look like one hell of an ugly human. Uh, but in any case, scientifically, uh, could it be possible? There's a chance uh, if they're more like the mermen that we uh, are more familiar with, that kind of look like that that ugly. Uh, Clash of Titans Kraken, which would live underneath the ocean and stuff like that. Because if you really had a human upper torso and a fish bottom, the fish part, uh, the the fish bottom wouldn't be able to really survive outside of water. And the human part technically probably wouldn't be able to survive underneath the water for that long. So uh, it's probably something like more fishy, I guess, maybe if they're going to live underwater. Is it possible? Once again, we've only discovered somewhere between like five to ten percent of the ocean, so maybe, 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 maybe not. Uh, some people believe that the government has uh, hidden mermaids, as far as like from the from society itself. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, do I think mermaids are real? I'm gonna say probably not. <laughs> I say a high probability on the on the no side, but here's what here is an interesting fact that I also found during my research about mermaids is eels. Apparently, electric eels only go to one place to reproduce. That's the Bermuda Triangle. Weird. <laughs> so if you capture electric eel and you have like in a in an aquarium or something like that, they'll die because they won't reproduce because they will they will only go back to the Bermuda Triangle for reproduction time, and then they uh, then they spread out throughout the world again. So I thought that's really weird because if that's the only one place that they go to reproduce, there could be like maybe there are mermaids and or something like that's happening in our oceans that we have no clue about. So much like the Scotch, our scores and. Everything are going quite 
similarly so also mermaids for me for number two partially because of the history um but for mermaids unlike the kraken one of the things about a lot of the kraken's tales uh, at least in modern time um is that it's controlled by something it's after something revenge it is um intentional if you will and so in the kraken in pirates of the caribbean is being controlled to bring down certain ships and go after certain things um clash of the titans no different the kraken is being controlled by hades to do certain things and with that that's one of the things that makes the kraken weak if you will mermaids on the other hand man the version i think is more real of any of these that's more fantastic i should say is that they are the sirens they are the ones that are calling sailors to their death upon cloudy or foggy days in rocky seas calling to them and the desperate sailors who haven't seen a woman in three years are like yeah that's where we're going land there give me some of that fish tail <laughs> yeah exactly you're talking about smells fishy earlier and i'm like i don't think they care <laughs> <laughs> And with that, uh, land ho! <laughs> and they wreck their ships and the sirens use them. Also, though, what's interesting about that to me is that that is another one well done by Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, dead men tell no tales. And the fact that the sirens, the mermaids, and yeah we all got to eat they just eat human males <laughs> mostly because human females are smarter than that <laughs> i think probably the most creative version of it has to be what we do in the shadows mm. yeah that's a siren though not just a mermaid and what noah is talking about if you haven't seen it god damn it they took the sexy siren and made her a goddamn chicken bird thing <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nobody going near that. Oh, wait, that's not true. There's one person going after that. <laughs> Thank God he dies before he procreates. <laughs> All right. So you're number three or number one, ultimately. Now. Uh, before I go to number one, I will say, though, we have multiple cultures and many of them which hadn't come in contact with each other mm. who all have a belief of mermaids. That right there, even though I may say, like, I don't think it, they exist, you can't have multiple cultures coming up with the same type of thing if maybe there's not a possibility of it being real of some sort. I 100% agree, mostly because if you're just going to look at it and think about any of these people, well, atheists in particular, so more my breed than not, and that is, well, we all came from monkeys. Wait a minute. So we could come from a monkey, but not a mermaid? <laughs> Something's not right. Something smells fishy. <laughs> All right. So the last one here, and I think this kind of falls under a, a general umbrella because it actually encompasses uh, my number one, which is the sea serpent. Now, a sea serpent is known to be a water a water dragon or a sea snake or a, Levi a leviathan. And leviathan has a little bit more of like a... Uh, religious uh tie to it because it's mentioned on bible a ton of times uh but then something that's more probably closer to like maybe a sea snake or maybe even a sea dragon is what's going to come up with old nessie the Loch Ness monster and so here uh once again you have multiple uh 
cultures that, that talk about sea drag, like these sea drag, these water dragons or sea snakes and stuff like that. Uh, mostly like the Asian countries talking about those, but then you have like the European countries talking about, uh, you know, like stuff like uh, Loch Ness monster and, and things like that. And the Leviathan. Um, so uh, here, once again, is it fact or fiction? I don't think anyone really can say yes or no to either one. Like uh, recently, uh, I forget what I was watching or listening to, uh, but apparently there's been more sightings of Loch Ness, of, uh, of Old Nessie, or maybe something there in the Loch Ness uh, uh, area of uh, of some kind of other, like another sneeze, sneeze, sea snake. <laughs> Do you like all animals? I love all animals. Do you like snakes? Love snakes. What about trouser snakes? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Much like Noah, my number one, I didn't go after the sea snake. I went after Loch Ness Monster. Nessie, uh, believed to have inhabited the Loch Ness in the Scottish Highlands, um, first really became publicly a symbol in 1933. The year after that, a surgeon went on a hunt. They literally call him the surgeon, so he was a doctor of some sort, took a photo, which was later uh, found out to be a hoax. But nonetheless, there are uh, quite a few sightings of a Loch Ness monster um, and other possibilities. So here is really my my first question with any of these things, anyone who wants to say not possible, right? Kraken, BS, mermaids, get a life old nessie whatever so any one of these creatures let's say bigfoot uh could be created by dna gene splicing and and manipulation true which means that they're possible like literally at the end of the day true that anyone who says none of this is ever possible that it's impossible is not just looking at science everyone wants to say you're just crazy. That's a ghost story. Well, no, actually, this isn't a ghost story. This is scientifically possible. And at the end of the day, whether or not anyone can prove it, at the same point, scientifically, it is possible. You cannot disprove it. Um, and that is just one of my key points here. One of these things about the myths, the legends, um, and the mysteries about sea creatures is we know so little about the ocean in particular but with these other things it's so easy to say not possible bigfoot impossible nessie impossible mermaids impossible the kraken impossible but wait a minute science says any one of these things are possible yeah i agree any one of these mythological things are, is possible i think also once again you have to consider when there's multiple cultures which don't have contact with one another how are they coming up with similar stories or, or, or similar creatures um and so here i think that kind of makes it like if multiple cultures can come up with the same type of creatures there must something has to be based out of reality for it to occur even if we can't see it today, I, maybe they're all dead now. I have no idea. Maybe I mean, all they went to like hidden spots. We literally knew that there were dinosaurs with giant long necks that were going <laughs> around water and we have their fossils, but Nessie's not possible. What? Exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, 
Do you have anything else on this topic? I, I really don't. No, that was really it. Is just to really to consider the science background to something such as this, something such as Bigfoot, something such as oh, well, there are Martians. Well, it's so easy, especially twenty years ago, for example, for people to be like, there was never a Martian. Well, wait a minute, let's take a, take a different perspective. We're literally looking at ourselves cloning Mars and becoming Martians. Well, I was just reading something today that they said that uh, by the by the end of uh, 2023, people can upload their conscious to their personal computers. Well, it's not that far away. AI is <laughs> taking it there. AI is more scary than almost anything. Did you see that most recent version where there was the college doctor who one of the students was like, slander my college doctor and make up a story oh, yeah. about it? And AI did. And the doctor was able to eventually disprove it, but had to do work. And at my point, like now, the, the story was all about how do you hold AI accountable to that? And if you can't hold AI accountable to that, who do you hold accountable to that? So then if you can't hold the student accountable for the, the one who said, AI needs you to see if you can do this, then like there's just some really weird legalities that come into play very quickly. Because if that's the case, if AI can't get in trouble, then I'm going to be a hitman tomorrow because somebody can tell me to kill someone and I'm just AI, man. I'm just going around killing them and making lots of money because um, that's what AI is doing right now is making banks for these creators until it makes banks for itself. And it's not taking any of the blame. <laughs> that's how, that's, that also falls in line with the whole like uh, uh, the, how some people have been hiring AI to be their lawyer or give them legal advice. But then, like, uh, one of the states, I forget which state it was, said that the AI can't do that because it can't, because it has to pass the bar test. Which it would pass in a heartbeat. Probably. Like, it already has the answers. <laughs> it has all of the answers. <laughs> all right. Um, next week, uh, what scotch are we drinking? Next week, we have the Buna Hobbin. Toy trick, I die. Nailed it. I don't know how to say it either. <laughs> no clue. This one, this is the scotch. <laughs> it's the Does it have pronounced on the back or anything? Probably right underneath. Uh, wait, here we go. Tokak Agon? Tokak Agon? Is that what that says? Tokak Agon. Yeah. Just nailed it. <laughs> he nailed it. I was like 30% it's like, right. It's like speaking Klingon. Like, <laughs> talking about Dr. Yeah, this was all wrong. That was wrong. And that, yeah, I was like, I got nothing right. I got the T at the front. It's all not a win. Nailed it. That was, yeah, like, no way. <laughs> all right. All not a win. <laughs> all right. She's our topic. All right. Left. All right. Got a. Let's crunch this here. All right, it is creepy pasta. Creepy pasta. All so right. Creepy pasta is a bunch of online horror stories, and uh, they're like short stories. Uh, but here we'll just limit our uh, creepy pasta research to maybe like the history of creepy pasta and a couple of creepy pasta stories that we enjoyed. Uh, personally, I'm just going to go to YouTube and listen to the creepypasta stories. 
there's a couple of uh, good uh, YouTube sites, uh, YouTube uh, channels like uh, Mr. Creeps and uh, Mr. Creep Pasta or something like that. So this will just be kind of fun to listen to some short story, short stories that are horror stories uh, to uh, kind of go along with this. So that's next week's topic. So a couple of stories that we want to talk about and the kind of like the history of creepypasta. All right. Creepypasta and the Bunahabin Coke Akagoa. That, there you go. That sounds way better. Coke Akagoa. I think it's like the last part, the, the ah, ah part. <laughs> Gods must be crazy. <laughs> All right. So if you made it this far, thank you guys for uh, watching us and listening to us again. We do greatly appreciate all your guys' support. If you want to become a patron member, please uh, take the first link down below. Uh, and you can support us by uh, donating any money to our, our cause here, uh, which we have a plethora around us, depending on which side you want to look at. Uh, and uh, scotch, any scotch, we'll do a review on it. You just pay for it, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with that, thank you guys once again for everything and your support. And uh, continue to uh, like, share, and subscribe our content. And Jesse, I'll have you, we'll have you close us. Yeah, out. I think that's really the good point is remember to like, share, subscribe. You, if you don't like it and you're never planning on watching it again, like, share, subscribe. <laughs> they do have certain rules and they keep increasing the number of how many subscribers you must have to be given certain freedoms, which legally you have anywhere, but no one looks for those unless you're on a social media platform. So you are then bound by those rules and regulations. And that's where we're at. We're just trying to get to that number of subscribers so we can start doing more things, including live shows, with different aspects and bookmarks where you can go right through, find what you're looking for. These things are out there. Uh, we're trying to get there to make it better for you. So please like, share, subscribe. With that, remember life is great now. That's not saying it's not always uh, gonna be- Fun, like taxes. Yeah, tax season sucks. It's not always gonna be fun, but uh, one thing you can be assured of is that uh, hard work and smart work together can get you places. Uh, and don't be afraid to put in the work. That's another thing I really admire you, Noah, for your piece about uh, 30 days without coffee. I think it's actually gonna be really interesting because one of the things I have found is um, I don't drink coffee all the time. And when I do, it has a different impact on me typically, especially when I do it at home versus when I'm at work. And at work, literally, it makes me use the spider monkey. Um, and I love the fact that you had that piece of uh, that scientific backing of, yeah, spiders are like acting like they're on crack. <laughs> Their webs are like, and there goes the frog through the hole. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, on Earth, and uh, that's a uh, that's great. So, with that, life is great. Um, but don't be afraid to take care of yourself and try those different things. Um, I'm looking forward to next week's smarter challenge: the creepy pasta and the Bunahaben Tokakagoa, uh, which. Man, we had some good luck with this in the past. If it's half as much of a surprise as this singleton this week, we're in for a delight. Other than that, remember, life is great. Take care of yourself. Reach out to a friend. And until next time, same Scotch time, same Scotch channel. Scotchman! Cheers! 
We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a patron member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.